straight from the WCHL studios in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, 97.9 The Hill presents the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show with your hosts, Chris and C.L. Brown. Tonight, the brothers talk the state of Carolina football and welcome College Football Hall of Famer and former Tar Hero great, Dre Blatt. And now, your ticket to the backyard brawl, the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show. Hop over the fence, skip through our carport, lay down your dirt bike, and put your game face on. You're in the backyard of the Browns for sibling rivalry sports on 97.9 The Hill. My name is Chris Brown, and I'm here with the CL Brown. CL, what's going on? What's up, man? I don't, I don't know how to react when you say the CL Brown. What, what? We're all CL Browns, technically. Yes, I know. I'm trying to get you in trouble for uh, you know the next Thanksgiving Christmas gathering. Uh, you know, and while they're looking at you, I'm going to steal some of your food. Yeah, get some presents, man. I, I got it all set up. Speaking of it being all set up, we uh, we got something great set up. We it's a segment. It's our first segment of the day, and it's called the Big Playback. And again, as you hear the tune, just remember, I know, we know EPMD is saying big payback. They're sampling James Brown saying that, but, you know, this is the big playback. We know that you will lend us that consonant. Today's topic, today's topic for the big playback, where we just give you, we get a good conversation on a hot sports topic. We got to talk about here in Chapel Hill what is going on, the state of football the state of Carolina football. We're going to just go for it. CL, why don't you, you do the honors? Well, of course, Carolina coming off the loss to, to ECU 40-19 to from from this weekend. Starting the season 0-2, 41-19, I'm sorry. Starting the season 0-2 after their season opening loss at Cal. So, and this is on the heels of a 3-9 and nine season, so obviously right now things are looking pretty bleak for the program. That's on top of the suspended players to start the season, which, you know, I mean, the, the, the max penalty was four games, so we're still, <laughs> we're, we're not even really halfway through because they staggered it. So you're still going to have guys coming and going after the fourth game. Not everybody is just going to be back after those four games. So... Uh, True, but a lot, a lot are, a lot are going to be for that. Okay, let me let me revise that. I feel like I'm in court right now. Let me revise that <laughs> statement. This isn't going to be some kind of uh, when when everybody comes back to full speed. It's not like we're trotting Dre Bly out there. Like it, it's it's not going to be right, uh, just right. uh, something to absolve everything, and and all of a sudden they're going to be healed and going forward. This is going to be a, a juggernaut team. Okay. I mean, still going to have a lot of growing pains. Still going to, you know, still going to be in competitive games that they they're struggling to win and and fighting to win. So true. I mean, I I have a much darker vision right now than probably you do of of the program and and uh, what happens moving forward. That being said, I'm I'm not one of these people that believes in in-season coaching changes and I'm not even to a point right now where I believe that Larry Fedora needs to go. Amen. But that could but. that could change. I mean, I think we have to wait and see how the entire season plays out. I don't think that any 
anybody should be pressing panic buttons right now at 0-2. Thank you. Uh, but <laughs> but if things continue in the wrong way, then that button should be pressed. Qualify that in the wrong way. What do you mean? I'm not even talking about wins and losses Thank necessarily. You. Uh, I think you have to just look at what progress is being made. Mm-hmm. Individual players' progress, the competitiveness in games' progress, just uh, recruiting class, what mm-hmm. kind of momentum it's looking like you yeah. know, for, for the 2019 recruiting class. Mm-hmm. All of those things right. factor into me. Okay. All right. I, I can really appreciate where you're going with that. Now, yes, I mean, admittedly, you know, I am going to be, uh, you know, on the optimistic side. Now, we, we gotta, let's just think about Larry Fedora for a second here. I mean, I've seen all kinds of things on social media with all kinds of claims and uh, just saying, we, we, let's go. We got to, okay, we got to change right now. Uh, folks, folks, let's relax. As Miles Dorn for, for the Tar Heels, the safety for the Tar Heels put on his Twitter, relax. Let's relax. Larry Fedora, he has proven... Yeah, relax coming from Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> but go ahead. Okay. All right. You know, Larry Fedora, he has proven over his coaching career that he is he's a consistent guy. He, he hasn't jumped around a lot. You know, he, he consistently improved that team um, starting from 2008 in Southern Miss. You know, they went from 7-6, and then his fourth season they were 12-2, and two, you know, and won a bowl game. They were in a bowl game every year, okay? And then he came to Carolina, and he has been a consistent winner at Carolina with the exception of two seasons. And you have to, everybody knows what he has endured here, you know, everything that's gone on with the NCAA and that type of thing. So in light of that, he has still shown improvement and that type of thing. He can be a consistent coach. Now, I think what we've seen is we, we've seen him dealing with, like, the surprise of the suspensions that t- and the injuries last year and that type of thing. But I just think his success combined with um, his, his ability and willingness to endure these things that initially, you know, was not definitely not his fault. I think this last one, you know, people are saying, well, yeah, that, that's oversight or what have you. I don't know. That's, a, that's another topping in of itself. But I think just managing that and showing that he can manage that, I personally don't even feel like he's on a hot seat, nor should he be right now. I think that, you know, I think, I think that, that's something to start talking about next season. I think right now, yes, it has not started off the way that we've wanted to start off, but I think there are a lot of things to think about there. Let's stop right here. We have to run to a commercial. We'll be right back on Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. Sibling Rivalry Sports is back on 97.9 The Hill. We are talking now about... The state of the North Carolina football program. Chris Brown, along with CL Brown. Let's let's get onto the topic of the quarterback, the young guy Nathan Elliott, and what's been going on with him this season. CL, what say you? I kind of don't want to talk about Nathan Elliott. I kind of want to look at not kind of. I want to look at everything else that I feel like is factoring into to zero and two start so far. Third down conversions. North Carolina is hitting on only 27% of third down conversions. That's yes. something that has to improve. True. This isn't limited to offense, but the penalties. Mm-hmm. Almost 100 yards in penalties 
averaging almost 100 yards in penalties from these first two games. 20 total penalties the first two games. And we saw one that was that was pretty uh, detrimental in the first half of that game against East Carolina, uh, a late hit penalty that, that kept alive a drive for, for ECU. Yeah. Uh, so it's not only the penalties, it's the timing of the penalties when they happen. Yeah. Um, and, I'll, and I'll also go to uh, who I feel like is the best potential playmaker on this team. I would like to see uh, Anthony Ratliff-Williams get the ball more. Only seven catches in these first two games. By far, he's he's leading the team in, in reception yards, 146. The next closest person is Jordan Brown at 45. Uh, but he's only got seven receptions in these two games. I'd like to see yes. them maybe maybe you know ha- have some more creative ways to get him the ball, but definitely get him more touches per game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I agree with what you're saying. I do think, though, that a conversation about Mr. Elliott is relevant because a lot of people are on his case. And I would just say this. Nathan Elliott can do it. Nathan Elliott has proven that he can get on this level, on this stage, on this platform and do damage. He did it last season. He did it last season at the end of last season. And I think that was a good kind of premise to say, all right, I can, if he's if I'm Nathan Elliott, I'm saying, hey, I, OK, I've got out there. I've gotten out there and I can prove it. I can prove that I've, I, I can do this thing. And so let me just continue. Is it possible that Nathan Elliott is simply overthinking things a little bit? Nathan Elliott is the son of a head coach. He, you know, he's cerebral in his approach to the game. Is it possible that you know some of these passes that are a little underthrown, uh, you know, a little late, that type of thing? Is it possible that he's just kind of, you know, thinking through it a little too much and not the kind of the freewheeling guy that had nine touchdowns at the end of last season versus legit teams? Uh, yes, he had four touchdowns against Western Carolina, yet he had three against North, North Carolina State. And two on national television against Pitt. So, you know, the guy can't, I believe he can do it, and he just has to get back to that. By the way, he's never been a big interceptions guy. Going back to high school career, senior, 44 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. He has never been Mr. Interception. So this year, there have been some things that, you know, he's got four interceptions so far, and it's, it's not who he is, I believe. I mean, the whole time you're talking – I got Janet Jackson playing in my mind. <laughs> what have you done for me lately? Oh, man. I don't think last year, I mean, he, he did show that he made some progress last year, but that to me is totally irrelevant right now. Carolina would it be at, irrelevant Carolina for you? is sitting at 0 2. For you, it would be, if it was you, you'd say, well, I can't think of that. If, I would say I can't think. I'm of, asking if it were you who had played and done well in those games, then you come to this season. You well, say, well, if I I'm if I'm on the coaching staff at Carolina, I'm definitely playing up the positive points he had last season and whatever it's going to take to make sure his confidence is right. Like you know, and after having the four interceptions against California to come back and to not have any turnovers against ECU, that's a positive Thumbs you up. can look at. But, <laughs> but there's still some situations in the first half. Uh, he had an overthrow that that should have been a touchdown pass to to uh, Ratliff Williams. Um, there there are situations like that that 
we have seen happen in these first two games where it's just not it's just not crisp it's just not clean and and right now the carolina passing offense in terms of uh where they rank in the acc oh. is uh is in the bottom fourth uh they're they're sure. 11th uh in passing yards 185 yards per game yeah and in efficiency they're last mm-hmm. in offensive efficiency oh yeah yeah, yeah which <laughs> no argument there that's not a place you expect from from a Larry Fedora team. That's right. So, hey, so then I have all the confidence in the world that that can improve because that's who Larry Fedora is. You know, one of one of the boasts that I, I admit that I use when I'm out there talking with people is that I believe Carolina can score on anyone. Carolina, a healthy Carolina running that Fedora offense can score on anyone. Now, we're not there right now. I know we're not there, but I believe that we can get back there. I think Carolina can get back there. Hey, look, a bye week, a weekend off, especially when you know the team that people are flying banners <laughs> over uh, Alabama, saying we are the co-national champions. So that team, they're not they're not coming in here. You got to say that rest. That's going. That's only going to help. Hey, by the way, does that mean? Maybe. Let me ask you something. Does that change the suspensions? Does that mean that they are not? I don't think so. I think they, their suspension was games, not not in terms of time. So it's a four game suspension. So they are not playing. So there's they don't. That would be the same if they just had if this was a scheduled open week. So that means that extends the time that teams are. Does that extend the yeah, time? Yeah, I mean, especially since we don't know if they're going to – the there is an open date. Carolina has October 6th. I'm not sure if UCF has an open date or if they're looking, you know, are even looking to try and plug the, the, the missed game into that date. I'm not sure. They are looking to reschedule if possible. They haven't ruled that out uh, as of right now, but – um, I'm not sure how that's going to play out. So, yes, yeah, so right now it just seems like the suspensions are going to skip a week and and pick back up once they uh, take the field against Pittsburgh. Well, I would say then you, you got to say the suspensions aren't going to be the source of the rebound, but the source of the rebound might still be this skipping UCF, who I have to say, I believe that Carolina would have had a chance. A lot See, of people I don't. Got, I got to cut you off there, man. We need to talk about facts over feelings. Hashtag there's facts your hashtag. over feelings, and go back to a, a question that I have about this team. What is the identity of this Carolina team this season? And again, right now, I have to bring up the, the offensive efficiency wait, wait, wait. that I just identity mentioned. Identity is a feeling. They are last place. Identity is what you do best. Identity is this is who we are. That is identity. That's not a feeling. You can quantify what you do best. And right now, you're saying that Fedora, you have confidence in him as an offensive guru. That's what he does best. And right now, they're not doing it best. They're actually doing it last. But that the is ACC. what he does best, though. I'm talking about this team this year, not past how he's gotten teams to play offensively. Well, I'm talking about. Right now, we go. We go off of what we've seen out of the first two weeks, which is Carolina is last in offensive efficiency in the ACC. That does not define who this team is. 
that does not define. We're trying to figure is. out who this team is. That's my point. And well, if they stay last in offensive efficiency, then that's who they are. And then through the first if, two weeks of the season, this is who they are. This is who they are. But that doesn't mean they have to stay. In no, who they, they are. don't have to stay there. But that's that's we're looking rebound. at what they are right now. Ratliff Williams. Nathan Elliott having confidence, having done it on the national stage against Pittsburgh, that is the time to rebound. Yes, there are difficult games right after that, but then subsequently five very winnable games, five games that are very reasonably winnable. You got Syracuse, Virginia, Georgia Tech, Duke, and Western Carolina. One, two, three, four, five. Five games that are, what if, after all this, Carolina goes in there and rips off a five-game winning streak? Then we all feel silly. There hasn't been anything I've seen in these first two weeks to give me confidence they can rip off a five-game winning streak. The one thing I would say to you is defense against Cal. Now, their defense against Cal, and last week, again, I think that they were tackling the ball. Their defense against Cal, I believe, shows that they could do something. They've had a defensive improvement this season. I don't know, CL. I believe that they could do something. Of course you do. (laughs) Hashtag way to go. Okay. So, hey, speaking of defensively doing stuff, we got... Speaking of defensively doing stuff, we have the number one Tar Heel, arguably, well, arguably, one of the top Tar Heels ever to defensively do stuff, who is our guest on the show, Dre Bly. Keep it right here. Sibling Rivalry Sports, WCHL 97.9, The Hill. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on WCHL 97.9 The Hill. And now we're, we're atop the hill with this guest that we have joining us. He's a two-time Pro Bowl, All-Pro, Super Bowl 34 champion, two-time NFC champion, three-time college football All-American, 2014 College Hall of Fame inductee. Number 32, or if you're specific, 31 in your program. Number one in your heart, Dre Bly. Dre, what's going on? What's going on, guys? Good to be here, man. Man, we are honored to have you today. One of the best of all times. Just got to put, put put a hand clap together for that. Just one of the best of all time. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Man, people love hearing your name. People love you know, seeing your face, uh, I know that you uh, represented for Mac Brown recently when he was inducted to the uh, to the College Hall of Fame and that type of thing. But what would you tell people with that generic question that they might ask what you're up to? I'm sure people are interested. Uh, well, basically, um, you know, since I've been done, I've just been very involved in the community here in Charlotte. Uh, started a couple of youth organizations, football teams and baseball teams, fell in love with it. Um, I have five kids, and my two oldest boys, um, you know, are very athletic, and so they got me going and just fell in love with it. And so the last four or five years, I've really been polishing up on my coaching skills, um, pursuing that. Um, I just got back from Miami, did the um, defensive internship with the Dolphins, and then I did a internship last year with the Saints with those guys all the preseason and then you know they got that new Alliance League American Alliance yes. League um, 
where they got like eight different teams. Uh, Singletary is a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Spurrier, Rick Newhauser, Mike Marks has a team um, yeah. in San Diego, and he hired me as his DB coach. So, oh wow! I'm um, wow. looking forward to that. Very excited. That league starts the first week after the Super Bowl. They have a TV deal, so they'll be televising the game weekly, and um, it's like a spring league for the NFL. So I'm very excited about that, man. Um, you know, coaching and giving back and teaching. Being around a game is what I love to do, and um, I'm looking forward to that start. Yeah, now that's the Alliance of American Football, everybody. I would I would advise you to go look it up. It's pretty incredible what they have planned for that league, AAF.com. Lots of football people. Every single coach in every single city, as Dre is saying, is, is legit. So he's going to be with that San Diego franchise under Mike Martz, coaching the DBs. That is exciting. Now, um, I, I do want to ask you this. So you had you had 13 interceptions uh, just going back to your your career as a Tar Heel freshman season, that's that's when that's when everybody knew you were on the scene. Eleven in the season, two in the Gator Bowl against West Virginia. Um, but there was a there was a game that you uh, you guys played. This is kind of a blast from the past. There was a game that you played later in your career. I think it was your senior year against Stanford. I don't know if you recall this. I'm sure there are many moments, but. Uh, I could hear you watching on television. You yelled out to the Stanford sideline. They, I think they, it was early in the game. I think they, they were looking at coming your way, but they didn't. And you yelled out, don't come my way. <laughs> you could hear it over TV or what have you. That always impressed me big time. And, you know, the interceptions, uh, your last two seasons, you had a com- combined nine interceptions. It seemed like people got wise to who you were and that type of thing and, and stopped coming your way. Was how was was that a little, as a player, if you can go back to just as a college player, was that a little frustrating? Is that what we heard when you yelled that out? Or what was that like that they started to kind of fear you? Well, I mean, that that comes with the territory. You know, I, I jumped on the scene early, you know, making plays. And, you know, and, and I feel like, and I tell people this, you know, looking at our defense that we had in 96, you know, looking at what was around, they had a great support cast. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was up to Robert Williams and I to, to hold out into the bargains. And, um, and being the younger guys on the defense, that's what it was. And, you know, we had to step up to the plate, and we did. And so once I got to that status, got to that level, and realize, um, you know, I was making a lot of plays and realized that, you know, I was going to be targeted a little differently. Um, you know, it sort of got a little frustrating, but that comes with the territory. You know, Deion Sanders was a guy that I idolized as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, playing that position as a DB, you have to be, you have to be very vocal. You have to be a guy that, that has a lot, a, a, a lot of confidence and play with a lot of swag. And that was one of the things that I did. Um, you know, try to make the game fun when you're out there competing. Uh, you just want to remind guys, you know, hey, this is, you know, this is what I can do, and, and if you come my way, I'm going to make you pay. And so that's <laughs> pretty much how I play the game. Hey, I, I wanted to ask kind of along that, those lines, though. Like, I, I was watching the game from this weekend, and at, at what point, especially now that you're going to be getting, uh, you're going to be on the sidelines coaching guys at the position, at what point do you put a, a player in check for having, I guess, too much swagger, too much confidence, and they haven't yet backed it up? Like, I, I see a lot of guys like that sometimes that they'll be talk, they'll be down like 40 to 7, and they make a play, and they get up, and they're popping off at the top. I'm like, what are you doing? You know, like, how, how do you kind of uh, uh, balance wanting a guy to have confidence but 
like also <laughs> understanding the, the big picture? Well, it has to be realistic. It has to be real. You know, at any point when you're losing 40 to 7, you know, there shouldn't be a lot of chirping going on you, you, or a lot of smack talking because, you know, you're down 40 points. And so, but still, at the end of the day, you're out there competing regardless of, uh, I can see both sides of it because at the end of the day, you know, you want to, you know, you want to play, you don't want to change. Whether you know, I tell DBs, I tell kids, I coach, you know, you want to remain the same when, when the sky is, is sunny or when it's cloudy. And, um, but still, you have to understand, be realistic about it. Um, you don't want to be, uh, look like a, a, you know, a jerk why why you doing so. But, um, it's hard, you know, when you're out there competing in front of millions of people and, and on a big stage, it's kind of hard to, 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 to pull yourself in. But, you know, the one thing, that I always did, you know, I understood, I understood the, the big picture. I understood when it was needed and, and when it wasn't a time to do it. And so, um, you know, that's basically how it is. Yeah, we've uh, speaking of the big stage. We've been talking a lot the, the past couple of weeks, running up into the NFL start on how the the rules have changed in terms of tackling for in the NFL. I, I was wondering how how would you approach the game today if, if you were still out there playing w- with regards to you know you you've been playing one way you've been tackling one way your whole life and now you have to kind of reteach yourself on the proper way to approach a guy even though you're going full speed and have to make a split second decision what what, what are your thoughts on on these rule changes is it good for the game to you know kind of clean up some of the head injuries and that kind of thing or, i mean or is it Difficult. Are you guys going to be doing that in the AAF too? Are you going to be teaching heads up tackling? Oh yeah, you want to teach the proper way. You know that's one of the reasons why I got involved. It's, it's so many, it's so it's so many bad coaches out there. Guys not teaching it the right way. You know, on a youth level, uh, teaching guys the wrong way to tackle, teaching guys the wrong way to practice. Um, you know, I, 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 I tell people that I think I was ahead of my time because I wasn't the most physical of guy. Um, you know, when I did. You know, get a little dirty and, and stick. You know, and got a little involved. I, I didn't particularly stick my head in there. I was always a shoulder tackler, or, or you know, with my hands. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's trying to clean up the game, but you got to be careful how much you do because at the end of the day, you know, you got these defense defense players that's going in and they're scared to throw and scared, you know, scared to lunge, and then by them not doing so, they're endangering themselves, and so. And if you got a guy coming on a, a, a skinny post and you got the safety coming downhill, um, if the safety does, you know, if you don't give it his all or or try to, to uh, you know, get the ball out of his hands, and if you go in catching, you know, more so catching the, uh, the, the offensive player, then he might endanger himself or might miss the tackle. So it's, it's kind of a 50-50 situation. Um, it's it's kind of um, – you know, the, the defensive player is, is sort of like in a, 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 a lose-lose situation. But, um, you know, it's tough, man. You know, I, I feel like, you know, I played the game during a time when the game was very physical, and I was able to make it out okay, not having uh, any concussions and not having a lot of injuries. So I was able to make it through. Um, so you just got to try to find a fine line. You know, you want to teach guys the proper way. You want to – Safety is always the most important thing, but still, at the end of the day, the game has to be played, and the game um, has to be played a certain way. 
That's right. Okay, so Dre, speaking of what you're teaching, I noticed a change in technique. And, you know, I'm not an expert. I wish I was. But uh, I've noticed a change in technique maybe since 2016, I think, is when I first noticed that teams seen a lot of teams are turning more to a corner, a defensive back, when they're covering receiver, having their back to the action, fully focused on the receiver. And when I hate it. Thank you. Will you please help me with this? I hate it, and that's how most of the defensive back coaches are teaching the defenders is to play through his hands, to turn into the receiver. And um, I hate it because you, you take a playmaker. I mean, you, basically the defensive player isn't allowed to be a playmaker. And so uh, you just got to find a way to teach. And the reason why is because you, you got guys that can't play the ball. You got guys don't know when to look back. And so because they don't know how to play the ball, they don't know when to look back, you know, they get beat. And so, uh, you know, when I become a DB, DB coach, I'm going to teach my guys to play the ball. You know, I can live with a guy that's trying to make a play and get beat versus the guy that's not playing the ball and get beat. You mm-hmm. know, and that's the thing about playing DB. You're going to get beat. They're going to catch passes. But if they're making passes, completing passes and catching balls when you're trying to be – um, you know, aggressive and make plays, then I can live with that. But if they're making plays on you up and down the field and you're not aggressive trying to make the play, then that's when I'm going to have a problem. And so I think with coaching, you just got to find, you got to teach these guys how to read the eyes, how to read the shoulders and really drill that And uh, to the point where a defensive back can be allowed to make a play, man. You know, like that's one of the things I'm going to specialize in as a coach is that's one of the things I was blessed in. I tell players at the time all the time specialize in what you're great at and what you're not great in and what you're not good in you work on that all the time and so i'm gonna specialize i'm gonna find my players and i'm gonna find out what they do well and specialize help those guys be great in what they do well as a player and then with the areas they need to improve and we're gonna really work on that but playing the ball is one of the things i want to be known as, as a db coach uh, and I feel like it's very important, and it was it was very important for us. You know, Robert Williams playing on the other side of me. Mm-hmm. It didn't have. That, by the way, that's the best corner like tandem him. I believe that NC has ever seen. Oh yeah, I mean, I, oh yeah, no doubt, hands down. I tell people all the time, Robert mm-hmm. Williams is the best corner, the best cover corner to ever go to Carolina. And because he didn't have a lot of pick, that doesn't mean he didn't play the ball. No, no, I said uh, I'm saying that both of y'all were the best tandem. I just want to make sure you understood oh, yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, okay. Oh. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, I heard what you said, but I was saying, you know, just, you know, people always mention about Robert and mm-hmm. him, you know, he had breakups or he didn't have hands and this and that. Robert always played the ball. You know, if you put yourself in proper position and, and be in the right position, um, you know, you're supposed to play the ball. And we were always in great position. But then I ain't going to say, I'm not going to say necessarily always in great position, but we just knew when to look back for the ball. And um, and that's what I'm gonna teach. I'm a I'm a specialize in that. And um, and hopefully, you know, when you see a group of guys that's being coached by me, you can say those guys are playmakers. They got those guys play the ball. That sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. Well, we, we want to let you out with, with one uh, final question, talking about the current team uh, at Carolina, the current state of affairs. Zero and two going into this weekend. We don't know if 
the game is going to get rescheduled or canceled or what Hurricane Florence is going to do. But uh, just when you when you look from afar, obviously you were back for Mac Brown's recognition, uh, the Hall of Fame recognition that they had here in Chapel Hill for him. Um, I'm wondering just how how close you remain to the program and and what are your thoughts on you know just the kind of the, the turmoil, if you will, the situation, the the hard times that the program is going through right now. Well, it's a tough time right now. I'm really close to the program. Um, I have a great deal of respect for Coach Fedor and the coaches that they have. Um, you know, ever since he's been on staff, been the head coach, you know, we've interacted, we've talked. You know, I've you know I've come down and, and visited and met with players and, and stuff like that. And so it's a tough time right now. You know, it was sort of tough last year with those guys' experience and what they did, guys the draft and then experiencing all those injuries and then having – uh, you know, the problems that they had last year. And we were hoping this year for a different start, you know, a different outcome. But, you know, you know, dealing with some of the things that they've been dealing with uh, at the start of the season with guys being suspended and then still the instability at the quarterback position with Surratt being hurt and then Elliott. Um, you know, it's it just it's a tough time right now. Hopefully, you know, the good thing about this right now, um, I mean, you only can get better. You know, and that's the way you, you have to look at it. Um, it's not the end of the road. You still got a lot of football left to play. You control your own destiny. And so, um, you know, if you eliminate the mistakes, the penalties, and some of the things they haven't done as well, uh, you, you have a chance to bounce back. And um, and so hopefully those guys can bounce back. Uh, you know, if they play this weekend, get a chance to play at home in front of the home crowd. Hopefully we get a, um, you know, have a, a, a good good attendance where, you know, the guys, you know, the fans will be there to root the guys on. And so hopefully they can bounce back, man. But it's a tough time, you know, being a former player and playing during the time that I played when football was, was as high as it's been. Um, it's tough to see those guys struggle like they're struggling, like they've been struggling up late. Yes. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time. I was just really starting to get to, to get to enjoy this. But uh, Dre, thank you so much. I mean, you know, I got a five-page treatise. I was just in Canton, Ohio, for the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame induction and and covering that. I, I got a five-page treatise. Why your your bust is? Uh, it needs to be you know in the make up there. But you know, that's I guess that's another show. <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah, so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, that's another show. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Um, but uh, you guys enjoy the rest of your evening, man. And um, and sure, go here. Welcome back to the show, Sibling Rivalry Sports. Thank you for coming on back. We have really enjoyed this show. Dre Bly is always fun to just observe and even better to talk to, CL. Oh, no doubt. And his place in, in North Carolina football history, he's, he's up there, man. He's up yeah. there. Of course, I, I think it's a small table when you talk about guys like Lawrence Taylor, obviously, <laughs> and, and the Kelvin Bryants of the world. But I, I think Dre Bly is up there. Natron means business. You got to say that guy was part of a revolution too. All right. Well, speaking of football, 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 let's talk about pro football a little bit. And of course, right now, I wish you could see me, folks, because I'm wearing my my blazing. 
blazing Baltimore Ravens lit up hat that's flashing and everything. Because, you know, when you got a, a big game like that, 47 to 3 from the past weekend, you know, but tonight, I'm, this is even looking forward to tonight, a huge matchup in Cincinnati. Huge. So, you know, trying to get it going in Baltimore. Now, now, <laughs> CL. I don't even a tie. Could you tell it to me? Just that's all I gotta say. A tie. What? what? I mean, I don't have an answer for you other than whenever Ben Roethlisberger plays as he did five turnovers in the game, then <laughs> I take a tie <laughs> because most <laughs> of the time you should lose a game like that. But uh, again, uh, weather factored into it. Conditions were kind of crazy. Um, and I, I think this also goes to some things that one of the criticisms people have of Mike Tomlin is the starters don't play enough in the preseason. Mm-hmm. And and this is to me this is a reason why Pittsburgh historically under Tomlin is a slow starting team. September's always filled with at least one game where you look at like how did you lose to this team? You know, and and this will probably go back under how did you tie this team? Because I don't think Cleveland is a good team. Better than maybe how they've been over the previous years, but they're not a good team. What's going on with the Panthers? Well, the Panthers, I think you can look at a couple of things. Well, one, injuries could end up being a big factor for this team because it just seems like they're they're slowly starting to, to pile on uh, from the preseason continuing into that first game. But I think you have to be, if you're a Panthers fan, you have to be pleased with how the defense played against Dallas. You're trotting out a new uh, defensive coordinator, Eric Washington. And it's funny, the D, D coordinator for Panthers is turning into a position true. that makes head coaches. Yes, yeah, Sean McDermott, who mm-hmm. went on to be head coaches. Of, so Eric Washington, uh, after this first game against the, the Cowboys, uh, it, it looks good for the Panthers with, with the way they're going. And then switching to offensively, North Turner, his first game as offensive coordinator for the Panthers. I think a lot of people were, were uh, looking at, at how he was going to handle Cam Newton, how he was going to handle Christian McCaffrey in a run game. I think it's a good sign to to not try and rein Cam Newton in and make him be some kind of pocket passer, that kind of thing. He, he was letting them run. He was letting them get out there. So, yeah, I, th- I think for, for game one, I actually felt like the Panthers should have won by more than they did. Right. The, it felt like they were dominating the game, just not on the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. But um, they have Atlanta coming up. Ooh, so a, big, a big game. Big rival game. Huge. Big uh, division game that will could factor in later on. Yeah. Let's just quickly, who is the best team in the league? Who would you say the best team in the league is? I'm going to take a stab at it first. I'm going to go Ravens. <laughs> Ravens. Surprise. Um, I'm just saying, 47 points you know, against a good know, defensive coordinator. The first game, to me, doesn't really... Sure, you're right. Because the best team in the league technically could have lost in week one. Who, who knows how it's going to play out. But not go to the Super Bowl. Um, from the first week, I, I don't know. I, I'm not a believer in saying should have lost either. Either you win or you lose. There's no should have lost. Green Bay won. They won because they have the best quarterback in the league in Aaron Rodgers. If anything, I was impressed by the way they came back. 
you know, they, they were down. Uh, Khalil Mack had the half oh, of gosh, the century. That guy was he just was incredible. But they, he reminds me of another number 52. They made the adjustments. Uh, who, Mike Webster? Former, who is awesome. Who is awesome. Unfortunately, he did not play middle linebacker, and I think you know who I'm talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but anyway, I'll, I'll say Green Bay for... for uh, Lack of anybody else that just jumped out to me in week one. And and I don't even – how can you say Baltimore when they played Peterman at quarterback? Um, I can't even remember his first name. That's how Nathan. descriptive he is. Nathan Peterman. I mean, he's young, yes. I mean, that was a tall task, but 47-3? to three? And, and, you know, a couple of touchdowns came from our backups led by uh, Lamar, Lamar Jackson. So I'm just all I'm saying is that that was a very impressive out, output, offense, defense, special teams, kept them out of the end zone. And, again, the Bills, I, I don't think the Bills are a sorry defensive team. They're, they're usually pretty stout on defense. I think they're going to back, bounce back on defense. So I don't know. I'm just, that's all. I don't know. I, I you know next week I would be glad after tonight you know some more things will come to pass. But I know one thing: it's not Cincinnati. Now I'll say that. I'll say that right now. All right, let's move on. Cincinnati from <laughs> what? What? I said, where'd you come, come up with Cincinnati? Where did that come from? Oh, well, they're well, they're one and zero. You know, and that's who the Ravens are playing tonight. So I mean, I'm just saying, if somebody were to try to say that Cincinnati. You know, with that scooped up fumble at the the end of the game to to seal it, uh, you know, I would I would differ with that. But I digress. It is time for the brownout. The brownout. Brownout, where we quickly hit on topics and then we move on to the next with the music bumping to remind us of the up tempo pace. CL, that was safe. Well, that's so funny. <laughs> Okay, yeah, that's why what the, the, the audience is asking. What's so funny? Okay, so first things first on Brownout, what is going on with the the referees in the NFL? Do they or, or, or in general, right? Referees in general, do do referees? Because we're thinking about what happened, you know, this this couple days ago with Serena Williams. Uh, should referees be giving more benefit of the doubt to more tenured players? Well, I, I think the question to me is more, do referees and umpires, whoever, need to stay out of deciding outcomes of games? They need to stay out of the limelight because the umpire, the chair umpire in the U.S. Open got way too personal, got way too involved with Serena. So I, I think you have to give leeway for the type of event that it is, the the situation, if it's a preseason game, it's the first game of the season, you, you probably should officiate that differently than a playoff game or the Super Bowl. And if somebody, an athlete that is established, that is a, a champion, that is long time, you know, has long time veteran experience, you need to give that person leeway. So if there comes a point where you're about to throw a flag or call a foul or, or whatever, you need to tell the Give the player the benefit of the doubt. Say, hey, look, I've had enough of your mouth. Let's keep it moving. Because if you keep popping off, then I'm going to hit you with this flag. Referees should never be the center of attention. They should always give the players the stage and, and allow for frustration. Moving on to the next topic. Here it is. Is Aaron Rodgers the NFL's Michael Jordan? Aaron Rodgers. Is Aaron Rodgers 
the Michael Jordan. Is that an accurate statement on social media? No, but he might be the best, technically the best quarterback almost ever. I I mean, I usually say Joe Montana, but he might be technically the way he plays that position. And if he ever had a Jerry Rice, he's never had a, a... a great receiver. He's doing. He's making them look good. Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb on the same level as Jerry Rice. Not yet. Not ever. Not even dreaming. Can't say that. Yes, you can say that. You you don't know what will happen. What if he goes over two thousand yards this year? What was it? His third year when he had the, the record-setting touchdown season. Might not even third. Do you remember on our door uh, at the house on, on Trailwood where I, I put uh, I put Target eighty? <laughs> Because you liked him so much And he made me mad He's a bad boy Yeah he is Um, Do we have time for one more thing? (laughs) Not really but uh, let me just say this Aaron Rodgers uh, I think he's awesome He's not the Michael Jordan I'm sorry Saying that Number one championships comes with that a bunch of championships and we've seen 15 and 1 Packers teams get beat at home in the playoffs. So, yo, can't say Michael Jordan, but he is awesome. I will definitely say that. Did you want to USFL? You want to talk about that in the yeah, book? Yeah, I just wanted to say Jeff Perlman, uh who who <laughs> is a friend of the show. Uh um, Yes. New book out this week you on the USFL. Um I I'm Getting the book, I haven't been able to uh, to pop it open yet. But uh, USFL is near and dear to us because we grew up watching those those fast and furious three seasons of play. Mm-hmm. So if you get a chance to check it out, I suggest it's good reading. What was your favorite moment from the USFL? Football for a penny is that what it's called? Football for Football a penny. Football for a buck. For a the buck. Crazy okay. rise and crazier demise of the USFL. Yes. Jeff by Jeff Perlman. Um, favorite moment? Uh, I can't even think. I mean, I was a Baltimore slash Philadelphia Stars fan. Yes, I should say Philadelphia slash Baltimore since they started in Philly. True. Um, I don't know. Just winning the title, just picking a team from scratch, just based on yeah. a, a name and, and logo <laughs> and, and color and scheme. That team just happens to be good. And yeah. championship. There's no fair weather here, folks. Well, Bryant played. Kevin Bryant, Carolina RB, played for that team. Did that have anything to do with why you liked him? I wasn't even a Carolina fan. True, we weren't Carolina fans <laughs> back then. We became, believe it or not. Came, became big Carolina guys, but uh, yeah, no, I, you know my favorite moment had to be the first rainbow bomb from Bobby A. Bear to A. C. Anthony Carter for the Michigan Panthers. I knew it was on at that point. Man, that was fun, and I really believe this this upcoming league that Dre Bly is going to be a coach for the San Diego franchise. This Alliance of American Football, which is fully spring. It's a full spring league. They've got a television contract with CBS uh, Sports Network. They are ready to roll. They're going to bring legit football. So I think that might be something that brings back some of this love. Okay, we are definitely out of time. we got to get out of here. And we want to say, please be safe with the hurricane. Please stay attuned to uh, you know your news sources so you'll know what's going on with that. Uh, and just stay dry, stay safe when it comes to Hurricane Florence. All right? So, I am Chris Brown. I'm C.L. Brown. And this is Sibling Rivalry Sports on WCHL 97.9 The Hill.